This is a Tadad podcast. Well, hello and uh, welcome back to the Tadat podcast. I am Eric Hutton, a senior economist at the Fiscal Affairs Department of the International Monetary Fund and a member of the Revenue Administration Gap Analysis Program, or RA Gap for short, uh, team uh, of the Revenue Administration Divisions in the, in the FAD. In today's episode of the What's in Your Toolbox podcast series, we will discuss the International Monetary Fund's RA Gap program with Denmark. Uh, but first, as a way of some background, let me give you a bit of an introduction into RA Gap and what it is. A modern tax system is predicated on voluntary compliance for the most part, but there are often few operational tools available to measure and monitor taxpayer compliance. Proper understanding of compliance conditions provides a solid basis for a revenue administration to perform and most efficient in raising revenues, promoting perceived fairness among taxpayers, building trust in the tax system, and thereby creating a cycle of improved efficiency and compliance. So the RA GAP program is a capacity development service designed to assist revenue administrations in monitoring compliance and general revenue performance. RA GAP provides a whole framework for estimating potential tax revenues, evaluating actual revenues, and then measuring the gaps between the two. We also then look at some of the factors that cause these gaps. Currently, the program supports value-added taxes, excise taxes, and corporate income taxes through a, a support in developing a model for the actual estimation. Support for personal income tax is more in the, on the basis of assisting a country in developing their own models and tools for estimation. The entire package of RA GAP delivers a detailed report on the gaps with a comprehensive evaluation, including a breakdown by economic sector of the gap. This procedure is implemented by combining analysis of taxpayer record information with analysis of statistical data. It's designed to assist revenue administrations in identifying the underlying causes of their compliance issues. So with that, I'd like to introduce our guest for today, uh, Soren Peterson, colleague and friend, head of the Office of Compliance Analysis at the, the Danish Tax Agency. Welcome, Soren. Thank you, Eric. Hi, how are you? I'm very good, thanks. Good to see you. You too. So let's jump into our interview. And let's start off with the basics. Your country was one of the first that we got going with the RA GAP program. Can you tell me why your country was interested in the RA GAP program at the time? Yes. Uh, first of all, you you invited me and among other, with three or four other experts to, to review, uh, review your model. At that time, that was back in 2013. I was invited to Washington, uh, had a great time there. And I gave a presentation of how we measure the VAT gap in Denmark. We namely using our estimates using random audits. And everyone in the room, I think it was late Tuesday afternoon, agreed after my presentation that it would be a brilliant idea to combine the two uh, methods. So yeah, the RA gap, VAT um, gap model with the which is a top-down model uh, with the bottom-up uh, estimates from, from our random audits. And uh, then I went back to, to Copenhagen uh, after four very, very interesting days 
discussing your model uh, and I asked my my boss and he asked his boss if we should uh, try and invite the IMF to 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 apply the model in Denmark and they said yes and uh, then I returned to to you Eric and I asked if if would be possible to invite you to to apply your model in in Denmark and thank god you said yes and Yen, you came 14 days, and later you came with uh, Mick Thackeray also, and, and we, I, I really enjoyed these uh, days together in Copenhagen where you applied the model. I was supplying with uh, the tax data, which uh, we had, and you were. we went to Statistics Denmark to, to get some uh, information on, on their input-output model uh, tables and stuff like that. It was really, really interesting. And by that, you came up with a top-down uh, VAT gap uh, for Denmark. Thank you. Yes, it was. A, that's a good reminder to me about the some of the impetus and in, in, in how this all got going and how you were a very early supporter to the program and a big part of the development of the program before we rolled it out uh, from our pilot program to general availability. So you have a, you're, you're, you come with it from a very unique perspective amongst our pilot countries because you had your own gaps uh, estimation program at the time with a lot of our other pilot countries didn't have one going on. So maybe you could tell us about some of the interesting insights that came out of the RA GAP program. Like, what did that tell you differently than what you would have already known at the time? Well, first of all, we were we were aware that that our bottom-up estimates from the random audits were absolutely minimum that we got uh, for the for for the VAT gap, because not all our auditors are, are equally good. So some are better than others, of course, and also. Let's say we we find something really really odd, more or less criminal activity. We would never measure it in our uh, bottom up estimates because that would be that case would be sent to another special unit, and we 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 would have to wait three, four, five years for a, for a result. So by definition, our our estimates are, are lower bound estimates. So that's why we were interested in getting a, a top down and, and and in that way to get an overall estimate of uh, the VAT gap. And by combining these two, because when we get to the overall estimate, we can then we can supply that with a random audit to see where should we go into detail, where are, where are the problems. And, and I was also very fascinated with your model because you can actually break, break it down by sector. And we combined the, the, your results from your model on the sectoral level with our random audit, and, and, and thank God it was, it was not uh, way apart from each other. So in that way, I think we supported each other's uh, results in a very nice way. Yeah, just by way of background for some of our listeners, Soren's referred to a few times to what's called a bottom-up method and a top-down method. So a bottom-up method for estimating the gap takes uh, tax record data and what's known about non-compliance from taxpayers and try to measure the tax gap directly by building up based on audit results and, and maybe some other uh, information from the auditors and other uh, tax professionals as to the size of the gap. Whereas a top-down method starts by looking at statistical data to get the size of the overall tax base and from there uh, determining potential tax and determines the gap then as a difference between the potential tax and the actual tax. So it's a subtractive method rather than an additive method that's the bottom up. 
So what's and, and what we often find, as Soren was saying, is that the bottom-up methods tend to have a, a lower uh, estimate than the what you get with a top-down method. And so they are good complements because they'll give you sort of a, a bottom range and a top range value for your gap. And you know that the, the truth must be somewhere in between there. So what are some of the other benefits, uh, Soren, that you gain from participating in the RA gap program besides those, those comparisons to your current exact gap? I, I think yeah. Well, I think we we got a better understanding of uh, of the VAT uh, system uh, in general, and also what parameters which are included in your model, uh, and especially what goods or services are actually exempt from VAT. That gave us a very good insight because we needed that insight in order to apply the model in Denmark. We we use it still, so we we apply the, your model. I'm afraid to say we're a little bit behind at the moment because of the lack of resources, but we, we keep updating it. And then also it gives us an opportunity to um, uh, to go into international cooperation with other countries. For example, in Denmark, we, we had a fantastic opportunity that you also applied the model in Finland. And, and by that, we could compare two more or less equal countries in the Nordic, European Nordic countries uh, so, so that also gave us some some um, confidence in that our results were not because they were look very much like each other uh, for each country, and one would also expect that, and that was very comforting to, for us to see that because then we 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 could we relied more on the results. One of the other things I remember in, in executing the model with you was some of the challenges we had with getting the data out of your your data warehouse, and this is. This is a common challenge we find uh, uh, with many countries. You know, um, sometimes revenue administrations will set up a data warehouse program to allow some of their analysts access to the tax record data without having to disturb the live tax record um, management system in place. The, the pros and cons of that, the, the pros are that you get access to the data, you get it readily available at your fingertips. The cons are that these data warehouses are usually set up with some predetermined notion of what data you need, and it might not cover all the data that's available in the data set for economy purposes. And so sometimes you're then challenged when you're trying to think outside the, the regular box of, of analysis. And we sort of discovered that in, in working on the, this program, didn't we? Yeah, if I might add to that, because I was before I became boss, I was I was actually doing all the the analysis on our own data, and I, I never forget you for because I, once I made an error because it, it was not very it was not so easy to get, and we we had the data in the data warehouse, but but understanding the data was was quite a, a task for me. And, uh, and I, I never forget when I, I supplied you with some data and you said, the first thing you said, oh, you got generous taxpayers <laughs> because I made a mistake. So it looked like it looked like people were paying more taxes than they actually um, said they should. <laughs> so that was, yeah, we had funny, good, good, funny times, Eric. That was great. <laughs> So uh, you talked a bit about that you've been using the model since. What have, how much have you been following up on the gap, gap estimates since your initial participation in the RA gap program? You're continuing your bottom-up estimates, I'm sure, and you're continuing doing top-down as well? Yeah, we do. Uh, the late, when you came here, you, you covered the years 2008 to 2012. And then by, actually by help from Finland, we, we, um, we, are, we, we, we continued. And uh, then we 
we got it very, very well documented. And one of my former employees, is, unfortunately, she left me or my office uh, uh, here 15th of uh, November. So, uh, but, but now at the moment, we have data from 2008 to 2017. But we have the input-output table from Statistics Denmark uh, ready. So we could actually yeah, follow it to, I think, 2019 or 20 at the moment. But I have to employ some new analysts bef before we um, get it updated. But we will continue to do that because also we have, you know, the European Commission, they have also their own VATGAP estimate from, from the consumption side. And and um, uh, I'm more fond of the IMF uh, VATGAP model because I understand better what's going on in it. And and I also see the results uh, seems more plausible from the IMF GAP uh, model. So, so in order also to, you know, when... When we have questions from from journalists or whatever, uh, when when the EU Commission um, they they launch their results, uh, then then we have a, our own results also as you know based on independent model from you from from the IMF. Yeah, twenty twenty is going to be a particularly challenging year to get the gap estimate for because the statistics for that year are going to be quite different than than other years, and so the trend will be. Very different, and it'll it would be because a, of the COVID, or yes, because yeah. of the COVID and the lockdown, yeah. fundamental shifts in economies around the world. So that's going yeah. to be yeah, yeah. So, how are you using the results for the RA GAP program, or or your your own GAP program? Are they being used as compliance risk management, or uh, general performance indicator, or you know, you're in a perfect position to answer this now? Is that Head of Office of Compliance Analysis. Is your office using that that those compliance gap estimate? You know, because one of the things I've, uh, I will always caution is that although we give you the the breakdown of the compliance gap by sectors, uh, that's not something to take action on. That's something to investigate further before taking action on. Yeah, we do. Um, first of all, as I mentioned earlier, when when we have political interest, we can always show the, the VATGAP results, but uh, we also combine it. And that was back when I was an analyst. My former boss's boss, so he was a bit higher up in the hierarchy, and he asked me to try and combine those two because we, we don't have a, a VATGAP from our random audits on, on, on fraud, for example. So by combining those two, then you really have to take a deep breath when you do that. But 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 he forced me to do that and and i think we actually got something reasonable out of it uh so yeah we use it in compliance risk management also you also alluded to earlier that you were using the model to get more insight into um exemptions and things and that's because the the model that we use to develop the potential tax for a vat or for a co corporate income tax we model the current tax system as close as we can and and so we're we know what's being marked as taxable, what's marked at lower rate, and what's marked as exempt. We had remarked earlier about uh, using the model to gain insight into the cost of exemption or cost of or or how the tax treatment of certain commodities is being used. Mm. Uh, can you talk a bit about that? How you're using the model in that way? Well, that was I think that was mainly. You know, to understand, uh, yeah, how the the VAT system functions actually, in order to, yeah, basically to to measure potential VAT because you can't put VAT on something that is exempt from VAT, of course, and and that's maybe one uh, 
that's one of the caveats from the model that you there is a certain limit of detail that you, uh, that in the data you get from statistics then they have to aggregate it at some level and 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 you have to make some assumptions for for whatever things are lying in those aggregated data and and in that way you 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 have to consider what is exempt and not and sometimes you have to guess how much of this uh, input you from one industry to another would be exempt if you got it at a more more, more much more detailed level so that's mainly in order to understand how the VAT, the IMF VATGAP model works. Yeah, so you're saying that in order to properly use the model, it forces you to become much more knowledgeable in the VAT and the operations and how it's affecting taxpayers day in and day out in their operations and how yeah. where the drivers might be for revenue from certain sectors could be. Exactly. One other thing I'm, I, I shouldn't forget to mention is that we also get an idea of of, of that payments or non-payments, so to, uh, you mean to be, because that's also valuable information for us. Because non-payments is is not so easy to find in our data warehouse data anyway. So again, combining the bottom up with the top down, there you get a very good uh, you get a good estimate of that. And actually, when you presented your model at the first time in Denmark, we could see that non-payments was actually a rising percentage of the, the total VAT gap. And that made totally sense in, in the Danish case because we had a very big troubles with uh, with debts and collecting debts uh, because we had some big IT system that never, never, uh, they impl implemented a new system that never worked really. So, so that makes, totally sense that we could see that uh, non-payments was were, were rising as part of the uh, or as percentage of total VAT gap. Right. That comes out of our analysis of what's going on with actual revenue, where we want to, for the RA gap program, we want to look at VAT revenues on a true accrual basis. So we look at, mm -hmm. we try to match the payments with the, with the tax returns that they're associated and the refunds with the tax returns they're associated and the tax periods they're associated with. So out of that, we get we were able to split the compliance gap into two components, a collection gap and an assessment gap. And that collection gap is basically an arrears report, which you're not alone in having a number of countries have a problem getting the, getting a, a true arrears picture based on periods of time. They know in general what their arrears are, but they don't know if that's what the trend in the arrears has been over time. So that's another thing that, that, that comes out of the program that we've found other countries have, have, have found insightful as well. Well, Soren, it's been great catching up with you. Uh, and thank you so much for your time today. Um, and thank you all listeners for uh, listening in on this uh, episode of the Tadat Podcast. And we'll see you uh, later. The Tadat Podcast is available free of charge. The views expressed in the Tadat Podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent those of the International Monetary Fund or the IMF policy. Materials from the podcast may be reproduced with proper attribution. Comments and correspondence may be emailed to podcast at tedat.org. TEDAT is a collaborative undertaking of the following partners, the International Monetary Fund, Japan, the Netherlands, Norway, Switzerland, the United Kingdom, and the World Bank.